Good morning. It's good to see all of you out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us. We're going to begin a new series for this month, one that I think that is appropriate for this month. We're going to be looking at a series entitled Gratitude for God's Blessings. And for the next three or four weeks or so, uh, we plan to have lessons on gratitude and what it means to be grateful for what we have. Today's lesson is basically on the scripture reading that we had this morning on the ten lepers. And one of the things that, that we learn is the importance of expressed gratitude. And that is going to be the subject of our study for today. Let me ask, have you ever done something kind to or for someone and received from them a card or a call or maybe a visit or some way of, of thanking you for your kindness? And have you ever done something kind to or for someone and received nothing in return? In both cases, how did it make you feel? And I think probably all of us have experienced both at some point in our lives. But how does it make you feel? You know, it usually makes us feel good to receive some kind of acknowledgement for what we have done that is good. And it doesn't make us feel so good if, if someone doesn't acknowledge it for one reason or another. But let me ask you this. How often do you recognize and acknowledge the blessings of God in your life? How often do you thank Him for the blessings that He has given you? Now, there are different ways that we thank God, and we'll talk a little bit more about those later in the lesson. But do you express to God your thankfulness, or do you expect Him to automatically know how thankful you are for what you have. Our lesson objectives for our lesson this morning are, first of all, to learn how God wants us to recognize our blessings, and secondly, to recognize the importance of expressing our gratitude as opposed to keeping it inside of us. Let's go to our text. Now let's begin our lesson with the point, where are the nine? Now Jesus asked this question, and we see that in, in reference to the context. But where are the nine? In Luke 17, and beginning with verse 11. Luke 17 and verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found 
who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner. And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now we read here in this passage that Jesus was passing through, as it says, the midst of Samaria and Galilee. The Jews and Samaritans seem to never have gotten along in Scripture, but why? This goes back to the days of Rehoboam and Jeroboam in 1 Kings chapter 12. We see that Samaria was the seat or the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. So when they divided, you had Samaria as the capital of Israel and Judah was, or Jerusalem was the capital of Judah. And so uh, Samaria, we mostly see it in reference to Israel as part of the divided kingdom. Now from the time that Israel divided, Samaria and Judah were constantly at odds with each other. Now Jeroboam changed the worship of the northern kingdom so that his subjects would not return to Jerusalem. He had a great fear that if they were to go to Jerusalem to worship as they had done in the past, that they would, would switch their loyalty back to Rehoboam. And he didn't want that to happen. So he gave them other options in regard to their worship, other places that they could worship. And he set up idols in which they could worship in uh, two different places in Israel. Now after Israel's fall to the Assyrians, they began to intermarry with the Assyrians. Because of their interracial status, the Jews saw them as half-breeds, not full-blooded Jews, and treated them very poorly because of that. And maybe because of how they were treated, the Samaritans also treated the Jews with the same disdain. Their disrespect of one another was mutual. So the Jews respected only the law of Moses, or the Samaritans did. So as we look at the books of Genesis through Deuteronomy, we see that that was what they looked at mostly was the law of Moses, what they called the Pentateuch. And so we have that, that background as we look at this passage because the one that returned was a Samaritan. And we do have that made very prevalent in the notes. That this man was a Samaritan. Of all the men to come back, he was a lowly Samaritan. And we know that the Jews would not take very kindly to that. Ten men who were lepers stood afar off. And they met him in a certain village. Leprosy defined today is a chronic, curable, infectious disease mainly causing skin lesions and nerve damage. As we look at it from a, a scriptural standpoint, we understand that back then it was a much more common disease and it was much less curable as they did not have the knowledge and tools that we have to help those who suffer from this disease. 
Now the way they dealt with leprosy back then, lepers were confined to a certain area out of the way of the public so as not to spread the disease. We understand that this was also a matter of law. Look at what is said in Leviticus chapter 13 verses 45 and 46. And you can put your finger there if you want to because we're going to come back to Leviticus 13 in a moment. But in Leviticus 13 beginning with verse 45 Now the leper on whom the sore is his clothes shall be torn and his head bare. And he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean! Unclean! He shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. This is illustrated in 2 Kings chapter 15, and beginning with verse 1 where we read, In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done, except that the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. And in verse 5 it says, Then the Lord struck the king so that he was a leper until the day of his death. So he dwelt in an isolated house. And the verse finishes, And Jotham the king's son was over the royal house judging the people of the land. So it seems that, that as he is still alive, even though he is in isolation, we see that his son kind of takes over the rule of the palace and of the kingdom. But one who had been leprous must be declared clean by the priests before they can re-enter society. Go back to Leviticus 13. And this time let's look at the first six verses. Leviticus 13 and beginning with verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying... When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priests. The priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body. And if the hair on the sore has turned white, and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous sore. Then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and its hair has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate the man who has the sore seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore appears to be as it was, and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him another seven days. Then the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And indeed, 
If the sore has faded and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. And this is illustrated in Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he, Jesus, put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them just as Moses commanded. So Jesus, knowing the law, he told the man, even after he'd been cleansed of his leprosy, and Jesus knew that he was fully cleansed of his leprosy, Jesus told him, according to the law, you go and show yourself to the priest, because the priest had to declare him to be clean. Now, as we look at Luke 17, as we go back to our text about the ten lepers, the test for the lepers was that they were told by Jesus to go show yourselves to the priests. Very similar to what he said in verse 14 of Luke 5. But the difference is that Jesus did not cleanse the ten lepers immediately. But he told them to go and show themselves to the priests. It was a matter of faith. If they did not have the faith in order to go show themselves to the priest and to start that direction, even though they were still leprous, they wouldn't have been obedient. So they were healed in the midst of their obedience, if you will. As they were going to the priest, that's when they noticed that their leprosy was gone. Now one of them did something different than the rest. One of them chose to return to Jesus, thanking him for what he had done. And it says, and he was a Samaritan. Upon receiving the one leper who returned to thank him, Jesus asked, but where are the nine? Now we know that to Jesus it was important that this one leper had come. So let's not minimize the importance of him coming and thanking Jesus for what he had done. But Jesus asked, But where are the nine? Was Jesus disappointed that the others had not returned to thank him? I'd say he was. Where were the nine? And why did they not return as the Samaritan had done? Did they think they should completely obey first? Maybe they should go to the priest before they come back and, and thank Jesus. Did they not want to return with the Samaritan because he was a Samaritan? Remember, uh, if this is a, a case where the Samaritan is with other Jews... 
Maybe because he's a Samaritan, they want to disassociate themselves from him as quickly as possible because of who he is. The Jews didn't like the Samaritans. They didn't get along. It appears from the text that these former lepers were not as grateful as the Samaritan who returned. Remember that Jesus knows them. He knows everything about them. He knows their heart. And maybe he asked, where are the nine? Not because he had to know where they were. Jesus already knew that. Jesus knew everything as far as we are concerned. So most likely he knows where they are. I don't think the question to be one of a sincere questioning of where are they? But it seems to us from the context of what we're reading that Jesus is asking where are the nine because he knew that they were not grateful. They had been cleansed. Maybe they weren't as appreciative of what he had done as they should be. How important was it to Jesus that they did not return to give glory to God? They were important enough to Jesus that he asked where they were and why they had not returned. Jesus was happy to receive the one. No doubt. We, we know the importance of one from Scripture. Look at Luke 15. Look at the one sheep that was lost. And how important was that one sheep? It was so important that he left the 99 to go find the one sheep that was lost. One is important to God. There's no doubt about that. And this leper coming back to thank Jesus, that was important to God. And yet, there was something lacking when the others did not return with him. They were missed. And so Jesus makes light of this. He, he brings this out. But where are the nine? Now how important is it to express gratitude? How important is it to express gratitude? Going back to our introduction and, and some of the questions that I asked there, how important is it to you when someone expresses their thanks to you for something that you have done. How important is that? Or are you let down when they don't thank you? When they don't acknowledge what you've done? For the most part, humans like to be recognized for their good deeds, don't they? I think sometimes we even have the tendency, and, and this is, is maybe not the right way to look at it, but sometimes we have the tendency to do things for the purpose of receiving some kind of acknowledgement. We want to be recognized for what we do. That's maybe human nature. But what reasons might one give for not expressing thanks? Well, I'm sure she already knows. I'm too busy. I've got things to do. Maybe, maybe later, maybe tomorrow, maybe I'll get around to, 
to actually thanking them. We may give all kinds of reasons why we might delay that expression of thanks or just not to give it at all. Whomever these excuses might be addressed to, uh, are they valid reasons? If you were the one that was not receiving the thanks like you thought you should, if you were to look on that person that, that you've done something for, would these be valid reasons to you? If they were to, to, to present them to you, would they be valid reasons? Probably not. You'd probably say, well, you should still thank me. You should still take time to acknowledge what I've done for you. I don't think anyone would accept these if they were given to them as excuses. What reasons might one have for expressing that? And in particular, what reasons might we have for expressing thanks to God? Salvation from sins? For, for the sending of His Son in the first place? Maybe the, the comforts and blessings of life that we enjoy. You know, it's cooler outside. And yet we're inside here. We're sitting in, in very comfortable pews in a nice building and it's fairly warm in here. You know, we have all kinds of comforts of life that we are given. And maybe those would be reasons for expressing thanksgiving to God because God gave us the ability to have this place to meet. When you drive down the road, did you notice the beauty of the trees on either side? Just on uh, coming down that little stretch, coming from community care to Rucker Road. As we were driving this morning, I just happened to, to look up and I noticed some of the trees, they look different from each other. You know, some are yellow, some are red, and, and you have the leaves that are falling, and it's a beautiful, beautiful sight. Uh, fall is probably one of my favorite times of year. I, I love uh, not just the, the weather, but just the beauty of it. It's something that you don't see every day. God has given us so many blessings and things for us, ways for, in which we can recognize Him. But are we thankful for all of these things? Are we grateful for the blessings that God has given us? Most likely you didn't come here hungry today. You had the opportunity to eat breakfast before you came. You know, those are all blessings in which God gives us. What reasons did the lepers have, or the leper, the one leper, what reason did he have for returning to thank Jesus? There was mainly one reason that this leper came back to thank Jesus. He was healed of his leprosy. Now, leprosy, from what I understand from Scripture, it's one of those diseases that, that you may have it for a long time. You may have it your whole life through. Look at the, the king that had leprosy, and he had it until the day of his death. Leprosy was something that, that was not only very, very uncomfortable, 
but it was also something that didn't necessarily have a healing time stamp on it either. And so there was no certainty as to what would happen once he became a leper. His healing. He was thankful that he had been healed of that disease. And the other lepers, they should have been thankful for this as well. Maybe they thought they had too much to do or that God already knew how grateful they were or that they, they might have the opportunity to thank Jesus later. Uh, were they not being obedient to the command that Jesus had given them? Why would Jesus call them out like that? You know, they were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. You go and show yourself to the priest. And so they were doing that. They were doing what God or what they had been commanded to do by Jesus. And yet he still asked, well, where are the nine? I think the real question here, was the Samaritan still obedient while being grateful? Could the others have spared the time to thank Jesus for what he had done for them while remaining obedient? Was it a, a, a turning away from that, that obedience to... Come back and thank him. I don't believe that to be the case. This Samaritan was just as obedient. I'm sure as soon as he left the presence of Jesus that he went to show himself to the priest. So it wasn't a matter of obedience. It was a matter of a lack of gratitude. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're understanding from Luke 17. And so we see the importance of expressing gratitude to God. Don't just think that God already knows how grateful you are. Don't, don't, don't forget in all of, of our busy schedules and all the things that we do in a day, don't forget to take time to thank God for what He has done. You know, it, it often seems that, that whenever we pray, uh, we, we have a reason in mind for praying. And often that reason is centered more so on God helping us than anything else. And maybe we might throw in that, that, that occasional, and thank you Lord for your blessings. But do we really take the time to count our blessings? There's a good song there. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Take the time to realize what God has blessed you with and thank Him. Have you ever just, just taken time in your day not to ask God for something or to help you with something, but have you ever just taken a moment and prayed and said, Lord, I'm thankful for all that you've done for me. I'm thankful for your son. I'm thankful that you gave his life for me. I'm thankful for everything that I have to enjoy this life on earth. Knowing that it's uh, temporary. Knowing that, that we're only here for a short while. I'm thankful for what you've given. And leave it at that. Have you ever done that? We need to take the time to be thankful for what we have. And express that gratitude to God. Yes, He knows everything. But He has a, a reason for giving us opportunities such as prayer. 
to express our wants, our desires, and our gratitude to Him. We need to take that very seriously. Now, how might one express gratitude to God? We begin with the obvious prayer. Prayer is a great way of thanking God. God has a way of talking to us through His Word. We have a way of talking to Him through the power of prayer. Notice what Paul had to say in Ephesians 1, verses 15 and 16. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 Verses 2 and 3. He says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father. Paul, on these two occasions, mentioned, that he had himself prayed in thankfulness, in gratitude for Christians, for the church, for, for the people of these congregations. And not only did he do that himself, but he also encouraged people to do the same. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Our prayers should be prayers of gratitude. We pray different prayers. Maybe we pray prayers on behalf of other people. We pray Prayers for ourselves. But we need to have prayers of gratitude within our lives as Christians. We need to be thankful for what God has given us and use prayer as an opportunity to express that thanks. Prayer is one of the best ways for us to give thanks to God. But there are others too. Let's look at song. How we express our thanksgiving in song Obviously, there are songs about thanksgiving. We sang some of them today. James chapter 5 and verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Gratefulness is reason for cheer and, and reason to lift a joyful noise to the Lord. The Lord hears differently than we do. Now we may hear ourselves and think we can't carry a tune in the bucket. But God hears something completely different. He hears the melody of the heart. And so when you express in song your gratitude for God, for something that He has done, He hears it as a beautiful, beautiful melody. In gratitude for the Lord's mercies and blessings upon her. We read the song of Mary in Luke chapter 1. 
And just look at verses 46 through 49. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for He has regarded the lowly state of His maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. From within her soul, from within her spirit, she sang a song to God. A song of gratitude for what He had blessed her with. This song praised the Lord for His goodness. Mary's remembrance of all that God had done in regard to her lowly state. The lowly state of His maidservant. This is a remembrance of what God had done for her. And an expression of her gratitude. She expressed it in the form of song. Our worship in general is an expression of gratitude and thanksgiving. Notice what is said in Psalm 138 and verse 2. Psalm 138 verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple. And this is from the American standard. I want to read it from there. I will worship toward thy holy temple. And to give thanks unto thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. I will worship toward thy holy temple and give thanks. Worship is a way of recognizing the blessings that God bestows through his church and our forever family. Prayer and song are an important part of our worship. But attendance alone is an offering of thanksgiving to the Lord. It's a way of expressing to God our gratitude for Him. Lord, since you have done so much in my life and so much to give me salvation, since you have given your thumb, since you have given me all these things, I'm going to take time in my week to give a few moments to you. A few moments of my life as an expression of my gratitude for what you've done. And so we come together on on every Lord's Day. We come together to offer song and prayer to God. To offer worship that is pleasing to Him. It is an expression of our gratitude. Prayer and song are, are an important part of our worship. Just being here does so much and it's something that we should recognize. Christians should always be mindful of the blessings we have from God and express our appreciation to God on a regular basis through the means discussed today. When we face God in judgment, I wonder Will we be of the number of which he asks? But where are the nine? But where are the nine? You see, there are going to be those in judgment that are turned away from God for not living faithfully for him. 
On the other hand, there will be those that are righteous. I wonder, will that question be asked? Where are the nine? Expressing our gratitude to God is very important to the life of a Christian. And I hope that, that that's something that you see as an important part of your life. Something that you, you implement every day of your life. It even take some time out and, and, and if you have regular devotions with God, I hope that you do have some, some time that you set aside each day to, to spend some time with God, to spend some time with His Word, talking to Him or, or what have you. Uh, but take some time and your regular time of devotion to God to just sit down, maybe write down your blessings or, or maybe just, just count them in your head. But, but try to think of all the things that God has blessed you with. At the end of the day, look over your day and, and think of how God has blessed you and, and your relationships with people and, and, and the things that you possess. Recognize God's blessings in your life and express your gratitude to Him. That's part of being a faithful child of God is being grateful and expressing our gratitude. Are you a Christian? Are you a child that has wandered away from God? Do you need to return to Him, rededicating, repurposing your life to His service? Do you need some help? Do you need some, uh, someone to pray on your behalf? Is there some way that we can be an encouragement to you and to your life? If you need to come in response to the Lord's invitation, it's offered to you. Whether in obedience or repentance, if there's some way that we can help you, please come as we stand and as we sing.